The church of Paternoster, our father in Jerusalem, has been built, destroyed, and rebuilt many times from Constantine through the Crusades and Byzantines. It stands beside a small cave that remembers that certain place where Jesus taught his disciples what we call the Lord's Prayer. In that cave, I gather our pilgrims together and pray that prayer. Mosaics in a courtyard around the cave spell out the Lord's Prayer in 62 languages. It's actually French territory, so the flag of France flies over it. Coming out of the cave area into the rebuilt church, I saw a small depiction I hadn't noticed before and said out loud, here's the Lord's Prayer in Braille. A woman said, I didn't see that. I said, are you blind? Actually, it's a very typical Hebrew prayer, pretty basic, a model covering most of our needs in response to God and neighbor. When you pray, Jesus said, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. That's it. Tradition has embroidered the prayer to its present form in our tradition, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, ending with a benediction, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Yesterday afternoon we used what I call the Jesus version, since it's closer to what Jesus taught. To unpack that prayer, a person's name was holy, the essence of the person, a concept even mentioned in this morning's psalm. For the name of God in his prayer, Jesus used the Aramaic word Abba, as in Daddy, the way a child addresses his dad, very intimate. But we can't pray, my daddy in heaven, it would be arrogant. The God of the universe is too awesome. But that's exactly what Jesus intended, a totally different relationship. You see, from ancient times, when a man becomes a father over there, his name is changed. Since my son's name is John, I am Abu Hana. Name being so important, what Jesus taught was totally new and radically different. Except for the high priest who could say it once a year, the Hebrew people couldn't even speak the name of God. It was just four letters, Y-H-W-H. We call Yahweh, as in Alleluia, the nickname for God is Yah. Any time a reader came across the sacred name, he would say, Adonai, the Lord. That caused major confusion when Hebrew scripture was pointed. You see, the Hebrew language was mostly consonants, no vowels. So it looked a lot like today's internet abbreviations like LOL. Knowing that, the scribe would write underneath YHWH the vowels for Adonai. People not knowing better translated that Jehovah. Imagine how much fun it is to explain to a Jehovah's Witness that the name of his God is an error of translation. You may remember that Matthew links thy kingdom come to doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Luke's version doesn't explain how the kingdom is going to come, just prays your kingdom come, period. The word having the connotation of your kingdom is in other words, already present around you. Questions arise as to why we say, forgive us our trespasses, whereas Congregationalists say, forgive us our debts. 
Evidently, we Anglicans are more interested in protecting property. Forgive us our trespasses. The Congregationalists in money. Forgive us our debts. Actually, Luke equates debts with sins, which makes a lot of sense. Save us from the time of trial was very real to Jesus' followers. It was a prayer not to avoid, but help us through this. It didn't even have Matthew's deliverance from evil. So what exactly is this daily bread? When our children came to the sacristy with me when they were children, they would always ask for some daily bread, which for them was a communion wafer. Using unconsecrated bread and wine, the chaplain at St. Andrew's School was teaching the first graders how to receive communion. Afterward, she asked how it was. One boy said, the cracker was nice, but the dip wasn't much. Bread was so important to nomadic people that daily bread for Jesus meant all that gives life. What follows the Lord's Prayer is what links it to reality as Jesus amplified what he meant using two parables. Suppose he said, one of you has a friend. The story that follows ends with the focus on how you fulfill that prayer. Then ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. He said, is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's the words combined with the following action that validates the prayer. Faith without works, Paul and Luther would say, is dead. The Lord becomes present in our prayer as the works of our hands express the words of our lips. Let me say that again. The Lord becomes present in our prayer as the works of our hands express the words of our lips. Few translations capture this connection of word and deed better than the transliteration of the Lord's Prayer found in the New Zealand Prayer Book. Eternal Spirit, Earth Maker, Pain Bearer, Life Giver, Source of all that is and that shall be, Father and Mother of us all, Loving God in whom is heaven, the hallowing of your name echo through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trials too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. I think Jesus would approve. <laughs>